You're listening to the preview. This is Genesis 46 and 47. There are two sections that are covered here, and they are when Joseph's family moves to Egypt and then the wisdom of Joseph's rule. So in it really begins in chapter 45, but in chapter 46 and even into the beginning of chapter 47, we see a section of the book of Genesis, and I owe uh, a lot of this uh, description to <clears throat> Alan Ross, who uh, wrote a commentary on Genesis. Uh, but this this section of the book of Genesis is where we see Jacob's family move from Canaan to Goshen, which Goshen is just a corner of Egypt that Pharaoh had given to uh, Joseph's family for them to live and it became really the place of their salvation, but it it um, eventually would become the place of their slavery, their enslavement. So the interesting thing about the move from Canaan to Goshen is that, if you remember, the land of Canaan is the promised land. It is the promised land. And so when God made this promise to Abraham that he would... Uh, you know, multiply his family and that they would be in this promised land, they're technically already there. But whenever they leave to go to Goshen, uh, they leave the promised land. And we know that they become enslaved and then they have to be, uh, the, the, the whole exodus takes place and then Moses leads them back to the promised land and then they end up wandering in the wilderness for about 40 years. Uh, so this is, uh, it seems counterintuitive that the Lord would, uh, you know, lead Abraham and his family to Canaan. And then by the time his grandson Jacob is kind of in his uh, twilight years, he leads them out of Canaan to a foreign nation, a pagan nation. And then eventually we'll have to lead them back into Canaan. Wouldn't it just have been easier to leave them in Canaan? Well, I think... Uh, there's an answer to why God brought them out of Can- Canaan and then turned around hundreds of years later and brought them back in. And I'll and I'll give you the answer at the end of this episode. So Joseph's family moves to Goshen, and they stay there because there was food and water, uh, and they were uh, kept there. But eventually, the uh, once Joseph dies and that Pharaoh who loved him dies. They are his, you know, all his descendants will be put to slave labor. Uh, but Joseph had given his brothers instructions about how to get all of his family back to Egypt. He had sent carts with him and uh, lots of, uh, of food and provisions so that they could make the journey over to Egypt. And uh, they, he promised that they would have a corner of the best land in all of Egypt. Uh, and the when he returns, when the people return with all of this stuff, um, you can imagine that Jacob is stunned to see all of the things that Joseph has given them to carry, to carry back. Um, you're also stunned that the per- person who gave you all of this is actually your long lost son who you thought was dead. Now imagine the amount of emotion in this uh, revelation when. Any parent loses a child, I'm sure they would give anything for that child to, to spend more time with that child for that child to be alive again. And it's almost as if it's a little picture of resurrection where Jacob sees and understands 
Joseph's story in a way that he feels like he's come back from the dead. And so this must have been quite an emotional experience for Jacob. So they they uh, load up and they begin to um, move over to Egypt. And what's what's interesting about this is many years earlier, Abraham, the the, the founder of the Jewish people, the first one to whom God makes his promise, he had actually gone down to Egypt during a famine in Canaan. This actually happened um, earlier in the book of Genesis. And now, oddly enough, his grandson Jacob and his 11 great-grandsons, not counting Joseph, who was already in Egypt, they were moving from Canaan to Egypt because of a famine. And so uh, God actually uh, is providing salvation for this people and also providing a way for his plan, which is ultimately to bring redemption into the world through Jesus Christ, who comes through the Jewish people. He's preserving that plan. There is a list in this chapter, in this section, there's a list of descendants, like a little uh, tiny genealogy where it's a list of all the wives that Jacob had um, and all of the sons that they had. And the reason this is important is because this is going to constitute the 12 tribes of Israel. When we see Joseph, uh, Jacob's uh, sons, we, we see a, a description of what the 12 tribes of Israel are going to be. And this section gives us a note that in total, there were about 70 people in this caravan from Canaan to Egypt. And... Um, this number doesn't really count all of the other members of the family, uh, the wives, the servants, uh, the, the others who are attached to them, other employees or something like that. Um, but the, the, the core 70 that constituted the, the people of the nation of Israel, that's who, that's who went. So it was probably maybe a couple hundred people in total. So when Jake, Jacob sees his son Joseph and it's this overwhelming, joyful reunion, he's crying weeping with one another. And, uh, you know, the last time Joseph saw his father, he was probably close to age uh, 17. And so Jacob was uh, satisfied just to see that his son was was alive. It's like he received him back from the dead. And he was the firstborn of Jacob's true love, his, his chosen wife, Rachel. So all the kids Jacob has are from not really his wife. He gets tricked into marrying his first wife, who he didn't want, Leah, and she actually has a number of kids for him. And then he ends up having children with two of his wife's uh, servants or concubines, basically, uh, Zilpah and Bilhah. And then Rachel was the wife he really wanted all along, and she only bore him two children, Joseph and Benjamin, and she died giving birth to Benjamin. And so Joseph was the firstborn of, of his, his true wife. And so this was an, a very emotional reunion. And so uh, Joseph actually takes his family, presents them to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh it, receives them with open arms and actually allows them to, to watch over some of his uh, Pharaoh's sheep and, and cattle. Um, so the the transition from Canaan to Egypt was very uh, smooth, and um, so th that kind of concludes the section of, of this reading that talks about the family's move to 
Egypt. They get there, they get settled. Well, when they're in Egypt, this is a discussion. The, the last portion of the reading for uh, today is a discussion of how Joseph ruled. And this is an interesting commentary on kind of like an ancient social safety net program where the government steps in to provide for its citizens. So Joseph was extremely wise as an administrator in the land of Egypt, and it was under his authority that people actually were saved from starvation. And the starvation was so severe and lasted so long that the people had say, you know, took their money at the beginning of the, the famine and bought food from the storehouses, the, the government storehouses. So it was like a national, a national program. Uh, even other nations could come and trade with Egypt. But the problem was the famine lasted so long that all the people basically ran out of money because they didn't have any way to make more money. And so what ended up happening is for a while he collected their livestock, horses, sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, that kind of stuff. He accepted those things as payment. And then the famine continued on and on. And unfortunately, they ran out of livestock. And so the only thing they had left were themselves and their land. And so they traded themselves basically to into indentured servanthood to the, the government. And also, Egypt essentially bought back all of the land of Egypt from the landowners who had nothing else uh, to do to keep them from starving. And so they, they end up trading themselves and their land um, except for the, the priest's land because they had a special thing with Pharaoh going on. And so once he owned all the land, Joseph instructed the people to take these seeds that he gave them and to plant them. And their requirement was that they were to plant them and to grow them. And whatever they grew, they had to give 20% of it to Pharaoh. That was their tax. And that is how the entire nation of Egypt and essentially everyone in the entire world survived what could have been an extinction-level event and what should be understood not as a famine in Egypt, not as a famine just in Canaan, but a global famine. And were it not for the provision of God, they would not have survived. So in the land of Goshen in Egypt, the Hebrews prospered and multiplied uh, to, to where they, they were probably close to a million people. And God blessed them uh, in accordance with his promise that he had made to Abraham that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars. And God blessed Pharaoh because Pharaoh had blessed uh, the descendants of Abraham with the best of Egypt. And so now these people are in the land of, of, of Go Goshen. And now they're looking forward to the second fulfillment of the promise of Abraham, or, or the, the fulfillment of the second part of the promise to Abraham, which was receiving the land of Canaan, being brought into the promised land. And they thought maybe this would last for a generation or two, and it ended up lasting for 400 years. And they were not even free that entire time. They were slaves. And um, uh, the, the, the question I asked at the beginning is, why did God bring them into Egypt if he knew they would be slaves? And there's an interesting phrase that answers our questions, and it comes up in uh, Genesis chapter uh, uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 16. In Genesis 15 and 16, 
it says this. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The Amorites are the Canaanites, essentially. And he says that they have to be, the people of God have to be in Egypt for uh, four generations, essentially, because there is an amount of sin that the people in the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, are going to commit that is in some way it's the threshold that God is willing to forgive or allow them to to commit without being punished. And so it it says in Genesis 15, 16 that the reason they were in Egypt for as long as they were is because the iniquity of the Amorites had not yet reached its threshold. And so when they eventually go in back into the land of Canaan, as we see in the book of Joshua, they they conquer the land of Canaan and they destroy everyone in it. And this is a difficult uh, passage for people to, to hand on the Bible uh, because it, it deals with God using a nation of people, of human beings, to act out judgment on another group of people. And some have called it genocide, some have called it mass murder, but it, it, is, it is stated early in the book of Genesis that that type of event and the the exile or the uh, the slavery in Egypt are connected in a way. And that'll be something that we talk about at length as we continue on through our study in the book of Genesis and the, the first few books of the Bible and as we go on through the year. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the preview.